Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You take your Bible and go with me to Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 1. As you're turning there, Journey Through Bethlehem's this weekend. How many have been through Journey Through Bethlehem? All right, so... Uh, several of you have, not all of you, so we encourage you, if you're not working, to come experience Journey Through Bethlehem. It is a wonderful uh, opportunity for you to not only hear about the birth of Christ, but we got to remember, we don't just celebrate a baby being born. If that's all there was, we'd miss out. Because it's not what about the baby being born, it's about what the baby did on the cross. It's what Jesus came to do for your sins and for my sins. And so Journey Through Bethlehem is an opportunity for you to drive through, stay in your car, stay safe, uh, and come through and hear the message of the gospel. So we encourage you to do that. We will this year. We don't take any cash donations, but we do take, we'll take a canned donation, canned goods. We're going to give that the next step. So if you want to do that, all right? Well... I know I don't have to ask you, but we've all had moments in our life we've been discouraged, right? If you've not, we'd like for you to tell us your secret because most all of us have had moments of discouragement. Um, from, we learn discouragement from an early age. Children, they get discouraged. They get discouraged at school because uh, they worked hard but didn't get an A or they didn't get a prize. We, we learn as teenagers, we get discouraged because we work hard, we're trying to, to, to accomplish something, and yet we don't get to start on the team, or we don't get to participate in something, or we don't do as well in a class, or the girl says no, or the guy says no. You know, we're discouraged. It, it keeps going when we become adults. We don't get the job we wanted, or we don't get the promotion we want. Uh, we don't, we don't, uh, you, you know, life just hands us uh, lemons at times and we just don't know what to do. Our favorite basketball team goes one in four. And we wonder what in the world is, the world must be coming to an end. You know, it's, it's those types of things. We can be discouraged or, you know, anybody's health better today than it was 10 years ago? Maybe. For a lot of us, <laughs> we'd like to take 10 years ago's body and live in today, you know? It just all sorts of things. And so when those things begin to come to us, we begin to be discouraged. When we look around, we're frustrated. And we think, why? Why is this the case? What, what can happen? Well, the thing about discouragement is it can do one of two things. It's going to make its way up inside from inside you out and it's how you respond that says a lot about who you are uh, Mike Huckabee Governor Mike Huckabee many of you know who that is tells a story about a pastor friend of him of his in Florida and he would always have these parties uh, he'd call friends over and says hey we're gonna have a party this week won't you come over and celebrate with us Oh, is it your birthday? No, it's not my birthday. Was it your wife's birthday? No, it's not my wife's birthday. Was it your anniversary? No, it's not my anniversary. Let's go through all this list. He'd say, no, we're having a count it all joy. 
party. And what happens was this pastor learned that when discouragement hits, let's throw a party. Because it's in that discouragement that God's going to work and do something. So let's count it all joy. Let's do what the Bible says. Let's just count it joy and wait and see how God's going to use this for his glory. And so rather than getting discouraged, rather than being down, this pastor found a way to find joy in the midst of it. I mean, think about that. I, I, I think we probably all should be counting it all joy parties a lot. Hey, 2020 should have been a party, right? I mean, we should have been throwing a party the whole time. But instead, how do we act? Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. How are we going to get through this? I'm not sure what Christmas is going to look like. I didn't get to see my family at Thanksgiving. We go through all this stuff. And who wins? Certainly not God. Because we're not seeing joy. We're allowing the world, Satan, to win. This morning we're going to look in our Rediscovering Christmas of Joy. And we're going to look just at a brief passage here in Luke, and we'll see Elizabeth and Mary in this text. And as we look at this text, I want you to notice in this text the joy that comes out of it. And in a few minutes after we read the text, I'm going to help you understand that of all the people on this earth, these two women could have been discouraged. But instead, joy was what happened. So, if you have your Bibles, you're at Luke chapter 1. Would you stand as we honor the reading of God's holy and perfect word? Beginning in verse 39 of Luke, it says, In those days Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. You may be seated. This morning, here's what I want you to catch from our text. It's real simple. Joy is evident in a person's life when they are filled with the Holy Spirit and seek to imitate Christ. Catch that. Joy is evident in a person's life when they are filled by the Holy Spirit and they seek to imitate Christ. So Mary and Elizabeth, we we know the story here. But let me me give you the, the version here so we understand the context. Elizabeth is much older in age. She never had a child. She was up in years. In fact, most people had thought she had passed the time of giving birth. And so in her culture, the people 
people looked down on her because she couldn't have a child. She's not good enough. God's forbidden her to have a child. She's, she's not fit to be a mother. Moms, have you ever heard that? You know what the rage inside you was? That's Elizabeth's life. Then you have Mary, who's 12, 13. She's yet not married. Oh, she's betrothed. But that's a year process which requires no intercourse, no consummation of, of, of the marriage. And yet she's pregnant. And everybody, everybody's beginning to wonder what, what, or they will be beginning to wonder. Because at the time of this text, Elizabeth has six months and Mary's just found out. So if there are two women at this time who could be discouraged, it would be both these women. But God had other plans for both of them. Because they both conceived. Now, don't misunderstand me. Mary's is a miraculous inception. Elizabeth, that's the old-fashioned way. If you don't understand that, go home and ask your parents. Um, but the, the reality is, when, when that happens, John the Baptist is going to be the front runner in telling about the gospel. So Elizabeth sets off for a journey, I mean, Mary sets off the journey to Elizabeth's house. And catch what happens when she gets there. She arrives, she comes into the door, she's yet to see Elizabeth, and she greets her, and when she greets her, what takes place? Two things. The, late, the, the baby leaps for joy. And it didn't kick. It didn't move. It leaps for joy. Now listen, if you're a person who doesn't believe in life before coming into this world, I don't know how to explain. The scripture tells us that the baby leaped for joy, that the baby heard Mary's voice, knew she's the mother of Jesus, and leaps. And not only that, the scripture tells us that Elizabeth is, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And we catch that because when Elizabeth begins to unpack this for for Mary, she begins to say, how honored, how, how come it is me who gets the visit from our Lord's mother? There's not been an exchange other than, hey, Elizabeth, I'm here. And yet she knows. All by the work of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, what happens what can we take away? What is the idea here for us in understanding joy? When does joy really happen in a person's life? Well, let me give you three things. The first one is simply this. When Christ is present. Joy happens when Christ is present. Now you go, okay, preacher, you said it is through Christ that we find hope. You said it's through Christ that we find peace. Yes, and guess what I'm going to say next week? 
If you want to find true love, it is through who? Now, see, you're, you're getting there. Listen, Christ must be present for true joy. Christ has to, to be present for true joy. It's, it's in that moment that, that we find that, that Christ, is, Mary is pregnant with Jesus, and, and as she comes, the baby not only acknowledges, so does Elizabeth. Must be present. It has to be present. Several years ago, when we were living in Elizabethtown, I came home from one day for lunch, and our house, we had an alarm system. So I went in the house, and uh, if you have an alarm system, you know the thing beeps at you until you get over there and, and push the code in. Well, the code uh, for the house was, or the box for the house was in the kitchen, so you had to come in and go around the corner and go to the kitchen. I punch in the code and realize I messed the code up. But it went off. Not off in that alarm goes off, but it turned itself off. And I thought, well, that's odd. Why did it turn itself off with the wrong code? So I enabled it again. Disabled it this time with another wrong number. Turned itself off. Well, that's pretty odd. I probably did that four times. And I thought, I have no idea. We've bought a defunct alarm system. So I go on and, and sit down and f fix my lunch. And about that time, the doorbell rings. And I get to the door. And there are like four Elizabethtown police officers scattered all around my house. <laughs> Sir, are you okay? Yes, we got a distress call. You got a what? A distress call. How'd you get a distress call? I don't know, but we got a 911 to get here quick. Yes, yeah, just me. Just eating lunch. Don't have enough, but I'll fix you something if you want. They dismissed. I called the company and said, hey, you want to tell me what happened? Yes, sir. Our system is put in that if you put the wrong number in, it sends us a distress call. You did it like four or five times. <laughs> yes, I did. I missed the number the first time. Well, we weren't sure. Here's the thing. If Christ isn't present in your life, let me just tell you, you've got a distress signal going off because you don't know true joy. You don't understand what real joy is. Oh, you, you, you can have happiness. We can be happy in a lot of things. Joy and happiness are two different things. Listen, I'm happy that my son brought me two large bags of Cheetos yesterday. You think what I'm having this afternoon. I can be happy with Cheetos. But Cheetos, at some point, the bag gets empty. And the happiness is gone until we buy another bag. And Pam doesn't like to buy bags, so Drew and I have to sneak them. See, happiness comes and goes. Joy is always there. Joy is one of those things that if you truly know Christ, you know joy. That even in the midst of a disaster, even in the midst of all the things that are going on in this world, you know that joy is going to come because Jesus is alive. Yes. That you know that he is greater than anything you face. And so joy can be found in Christ alone. And so we find in this text 
But if you and I want to discover what real joy is, we've got to turn our attention and make sure Christ is present in our life. Which leads me to the second thing. Uh, when the Holy Spirit fills our hearts, the Holy Spirit fills our hearts. Now you think, wait a second. You just talked about Christ being present, and now the Holy Spirit, Spirit filling your heart. Isn't that the same? No, it's not. It really is not. I mean, because think about it. Christ can be present and yet not in your heart. You can go to a church. Christ can be proclaimed. You can see the testimony of Christ in somebody else's life, and yet you do not know Christ. It is only when you know Christ that the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. You can be around it, but until the Holy Spirit fills you, you missed it. It's kind of like what happened at our house on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for us was different this year. We weren't going to travel to see family. We were going to stay home. Now, Pam's mom was going to come. She, she doesn't travel. She didn't go to anywhere. She, she takes a bath and hand sanitizers, those kinds of things. And so she was going to come and, and stay at our house. And when she arrived, uh, Pam was cooking, and, and Marsha had gotten there. And, you know, my wife's a rock star. I don't know if you know that, but my wife is a rock star at everything. I'm just amazed she married me. Um, I know, I know. Um, there's a whole story of how that probably happened. I tricked her. But anyhow, um, she is doing, I mean, she's doing all sorts of things cooking. Her mom's there. There's other things going on in the house. And so she's making this pumpkin roll. It's a wonderful dessert. Anything my wife makes, I can eat. I love it. She got done. She had this beautiful pumpkin roll. Then all of a sudden she realizes, I left out an ingredient. She left out the pumpkin. <laughs> now listen, still edible. Just saying. You know, here's the thing about the pumpkin. It was present. It was right there on the counter. But just not in the pumpkin row. And therefore, the pumpkin row is not complete because it doesn't have the pumpkin in it. The thing, same thing for you and I. You can be around people who have Christ in their hearts. You can be in the presence because you come to a church and we proclaim Christ and Christ is here. But if you do not have Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you do not have the Holy Spirit filling your heart. And therefore, you cannot experience true joy. You can only experience happiness. You can be happy in a lot of things, but not with the joy that only comes through Jesus Christ. Elizabeth, in verse 41, and I put it in your notes as 44, and I apologize, but it's verse 41. Remember, when the baby leaps for joy, when John leaps for joy, she's also filled with the Holy Spirit, which causes her to recognize why he's jumping for joy and also recognizes Mary because she's carrying the Savior of the world. All that's possible because of the Holy Spirit. And so when you and I encounter discouragements, the one thing that we have to do is rely on not ourselves, but the work of the Holy Spirit inside us. Because if we're left to ourselves, what do we do? We wallow in our own thoughts. 
We get upset with ourselves. We, we struggle with what's going on. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us because it's filling us, we begin to realize God's in control and has a bigger plan. And when that happens, we begin to have the right attitude, not the wrong attitude. We begin to focus on the, the things that God is at work doing rather than what the world tells us is wrong. This leads me to the third thing. Third thing is simply this. When our lives imitate Christ. Paul will say it this way in Ephesians 5.1. Be imitators of Christ. We know that Jesus came to be the joy of the world. We know that it is through him we find joy. So if you and I are going to experience joy and understand joy and overcome our discouragements, we have to be imitators of Christ. Because as we look at his life, he went through all sorts of of moments, uphills and downhills, and yet joy filled his heart. So as I was thinking about that, I thought, well, how do we unpack that? That's, that's a big statement to say we imitate Christ. And, and so I've, I've given you five things there that, that helps us do that, and, and there are probably more, but Let's just unpack these, these five that help us imitate Christ. First one is in our actions. In our actions. Now, that's how we act. That's the deeds that we do. If we're going to imitate Christ, we, we've got to know the way we act and encounter people and, and our words that we say and how we, how we deal with difficult situations. I mean, Jesus never traded insults. He never got into, well, your mama is, he, he just never did that. He only got into loving people. So our actions need to imitate Christ. Our, our, our deeds need to reflect that. And here's the good news for you and I. The scripture tells us how he lived his life. And so if you go, well, I don't know really how he did. Here's what I would tell you. Pick it up. Start reading. Gospel of Mark's a great place. Mark's quick and short and to the point. But you can find out how Jesus acted by reading. Second thing we find in the text, or let me, let me give you this verse. First John 2, 6 says, Those who say they live in God, get this, should live their lives as Jesus did. You want to you claim Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Then you ought to live. Like Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior. Second thing I want you to catch. It's in our love. We, we should imitate Christ in our love. It's hard to love people who don't love you back, isn't it? You know, for some of us, we're grateful COVID is hit. We won't see certain family members. That's okay. You can acknowledge that. But we got to love people. We got to figure out how to love those who, who are unlovable. Because whether you believe this or not, you are unlovable at times. In fact, would you turn to the person sitting next to you and say, you're unlovable at times? Yeah, I noticed some of you men didn't do that to your wives. You turned to anybody else, but you weren't doing that to your wives. Listen, we're all unlovable at times. 
And if we're unlovable, how would you feel if God says, you know, you're just unlovable, I don't want to love you anymore? Good news. God loves you. He loves you so much he sent his one and only son to die for you. That's how much he loved us. And so we've got to, in return, figure out how to love even the most difficult people. Which leads me to, uh, look at this verse. I've put a verse with all of them so we know. I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. He, he, notice, Jesus didn't say, only love those who love you back. Only love the lovable. He says, love one another. Which leads us to the third thing. In our forgiveness. We imitate Christ in our forgiveness. We got to come to a place and we have to learn to forgive. Look at this verse. It says this, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. Sometimes we act more like the unforgiving servant in Matthew chapter 8 or 8 than we do like believers, don't we? Remember the unforgiving servant, the, the king called him in to call on his debt, and he begged for the king's mercy and, the mercy, and the king gave him that mercy, and he goes out and he encounters somebody who owes him money. And he did not offer forgiveness to them. Well, we sometimes do that. We, we want to bank on for God's forgiveness in our own personal life, but whether how we would forgive somebody else is just, which is hard for us to do. Wait, Pastor, you don't know what they did. No, I really don't, but I know what Jesus did. And if he can, well, he's, well, he's God, but he called us to be imitators. Well, I'm just not that good. Well, be careful. Be careful. We're to forgive. We're to forgive and, and move on. God doesn't hold our sin against us. He forgives us. Let me give you the next two I'll spend a little time on. It's in our commitments. Our commitments. When we look at Scripture, we find that, that Jesus continued to teach he, he, took the, he took and came into this world, and he took 12 men, and he be, they became disciples. And every moment he had, he'd set them down, and he began to talk and tell them and teach them. We have moments where Jesus would preach. Uh, we, we've got sermon in the Gospels, and where he, he would proclaim how we are to behave and how we're to act and what we're to do. He would tell us, Jesus tells us that he didn't come to abandon the law, but to fulfill the law, which multiple times through Jesus' teaching, we find the Old Testament, which tells us that Jesus came and was committed to God. He's not about his business, but about the, his father's business. And so for you and I, if we're going to imitate Christ, we've got to do that in our commitment. We've got to commit to God's word. We've got to commit to God's word in a sense that we, 
we don't look at it and go, you know, that was just Old Testament. Or we don't look at the New Testament and go, you know, that was just for a different day and age. That's not how, you know, God wouldn't tell us to do that today. Because when we start doing that, we begin to uh, dissect the scripture and we become the judge and jury over what we should follow and what we shouldn't follow. What's the problem with that? The problem is that we're sinful. We're never going to paint ourselves in a bad picture. We're never. I mean, you ask anybody in this room on, on most given days, we'll tell you how good we are and how bad everybody else is. That we're, we're not at fault. Now, we may not say it this way out loud, but we're not at fault. It's always somebody else. Show of hands, how many know somebody who's never wrong? You know somebody who's never wrong? You don't have to point to them if they're in the room. Didn't say that. But we know people who, who betray that. The problem with that is we're sinners. Did you know that? You have fallen short of the glory of God. And so for you to say, I'm going to dissect God's word and I'm going to pick and choose what I like and what I don't like, you're only going to do it to cover up what your sin is. What's your commitment? What's your commitment to God's word? Are, do you, how, how well do you commit to studying God's word and knowing what God's word proclaims? How strong are you at imitating, knowing that he tells us to do this, so I ought to do it? And you go, I, I don't know. Pastor, I, I, don't even, I don't even know where my Bible is. That's okay. God loves you, and today you can begin a journey in committing to be imitators of Christ. Look at this verse. Jesus tells us, if you love me, what? You'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. In other words, if you love me, you're going to take this word and you're going to obey it. You're going to know it inside and out. You're going you're to fall in love. But you've got to read it. Listen, you can't put it under your pillow and think you'll get it didn't work for me in English, it's not going to work for you in putting your, your Bible under your pillow. Sometimes we spend more time reading newspaper or Facebook or watching TV than we spend in God's Word. we got to be committed. If we're going to be imitators, it means our commitments have to look like Christ, which leads me to the last one. In your suffering, or in our suffering. I saved this one to the last because I, I wanted you to catch this. There are three places in Luke's gospel that talks about leaping for joy. We, we've seen the first two there in um, first verse, verse 41 and verse 44. You see the third one here in Luke 23. Look at this, 623, I'm sorry. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Take note. Your reward is great in heaven, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets. 
Now let me unpack that for a second. Luke chapter 6, Jesus is telling, telling them, hey, listen, there are going to be moments when people are going to come against you. There'll be moments of suffering. There will be moments of discouragement. Just take it for joy. Leap for joy in those moments because that's how they treated the prophets before you. So in other words, we want to be imitators of Christ. We've got to imitate him in his suffering. How much did Jesus suffer? What was he willing to suffer? Suffered his life all for the sake of the gospel. All for the sake that people would know who God is. Would you suffer for the sake of the gospel? Max Licato tells a story. He tells a story. I, I, I didn't know this about Max Licato, and I was reading something this week, and he was, a, for, for many years in his life, he was an avid biker. Not Harley Davidson biker like I want to be. He, he was one of these, don't get this mental picture, but he wore the tight shorts, the, the tight shirt, and got on one of these little bikes and rode 100 miles, you know, that kind of thing. He tells a story that as he was getting into it, one of his friends, a church members, trying to help him along and says, well, here's what you need. You need, you need all these gadgets. And, and I've, done, I've done cycling for a little while or for a short period of time and know that there are gadgets that help you in that cycling process because what happen is it helps you get into a rhythm. It helps you get into a cadence. And you need that cadence if you're going to be able to cycle, especially if you're going to do 100 miles. Uh, and so he started, Mike Cicado started getting the gadgets on his bike and, you know, those things that sit there on, you know, they're just like a little dashboard on your car. It sits there and kind of tells you your cadence and tells you your speed. It does all these things. Uh, then the thing, then the, his friend said, now here's the other thing. You need to get into rock and roll music. He said, rock and roll music, and, and this is true, uh, we all know music has, a, has an effect on us, but rock and roll music has this beat that helps you keeps you mentally going and keeps you in this rhythm. So Max Licato said, okay. So he began looking for the rock and roll music he, he liked and would listen to. And so he got his headset and began cycling. And, he, and again, everything kept building and he kept building on this until one day he had an accident and wrecked his bike. Well, a friend of his came along and said, you know, why don't you just ride my bike for a little while? Just, just take my bike. Well, his bike didn't have all the gadgets. Max Cato went out for a ride that day and forgot his, his uh, iPod and didn't what, listen to the music. And here's, here's what he realized. He discovered the joy he once had in cycling. Because as he rode that day, he saw God's beauty. He saw all sorts of things that he hadn't seen in a long time because for such a long time, he got so focused on the gadgets and all everything else that he missed the pure joy. As I read that this week, and I thought, how often do we do that? Life keeps throwing things to us. We keep trying to defend it by adding this to our lives or doing this. Or we got to, you know, I'll be happier if we get this car. Or I'll be happier if we get this. Or I'll be happier if I get this job. I'll be happier if this happens. I will do all this. And what happens is we take our eyes off 
real joy and put it on all the gadgets and all the stuff of this world. And we lose sight of what God has for us. Have you done that? Listen, I can tell you for, I've done that. I've been caught up into so many things before and that I miss the joy that God has. I've been caught up in trying to do this or trying to get this. And, and in those moments, what happens is everything else becomes a priority and not God. There's no sense of the Holy Spirit leading my life. Oh, Christ is present in my heart and the Holy Spirit is present in my heart. But what happens in those moments is I get so overwhelmed by everything else that I drowned out the Holy Spirit. I quit imitating Christ and I start thinking in the world's terms. Yes, that happens to pastors. COVID hits and we got to figure out how do we get people in the church the governor says church is non-essential and we go no that's not quite true how do we keep people safe and all of a sudden everything else becomes a priority and we lose the joy of Christ maybe you have found yourself in that same spot listen joy is evident in our hearts When the Holy Spirit is present, we begin to imitate Christ. When we subtract those two things, there's no real joy. Or we find happiness in this or that, but that happiness fleeting. This morning, do you need joy? If you're here this morning and you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I can answer that question for you. Whether you realize it or not, you need the joy that only comes through Jesus Christ. And that's by surrendering yourself, meaning that you can't bring that joy into your life. It's only through Jesus Christ. It's by believing that Jesus is who he claims himself to be. That he went to a cross and he died and he was resurrected and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. By committing your life to Him. That's how you get true joy. Well, maybe you're here this morning and you've allowed other things to take hold. And you need the real joy that comes from it. This Christmas, would you rediscover that joy that's only found in Jesus Christ? there's a decision on your heart or if you just want somebody to pray with you here's what I want you to do I want you to text this to I need joy text the words I need joy to 270-681-2363 just text those words you can just text joy to 270-681-2363 and we'll call you back we'll you can, if you go I don't text that's fine just call that number leave a message we'll call you back Others have used that in this, this is our way we do invitation now. Others have used it and joined this church. Maybe, maybe you're ready to, to take the next step in your journey in joining Glasgow Baptist Church. Text that number or call that number. We'll talk to you about what that process looks like. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you just need to pray, God, I need joy. And in just a moment, I'm going to lead us in a prayer and I'm going, to, I'm going to ask us all just to pray, God, would you just help us in the midst of our discouragement, in the midst of all that's going on, remind us that there is joy in you. Would you pray with me?